This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. This episode is brought to you by ABC. Station 19 is back for its final and hottest season yet. Andy finally becomes captain, and she's going to give it her all to be the best leader this station has ever seen. Will she succeed? Get ready for fiery new romances and high adrenaline rescues. Watch the Station 19 season premiere tonight at a new time, 10, 9 central on ABC and stream on Hulu. Living, best-selling author, personal trainer, and host of Give Me Strength, where we discuss the positives of living a stronger life physically and mentally with the hope to inspire you to do the same. Welcome to Give Me Strength. My guest today is Carly Rowena, who is a content creator, personal trainer, author, breathwork coach, founder of Movement App, mother, and all-round sunshine human being. Now, Carly and I have had various touch points of connection over the years, but I've actually never had the chance to sit down with her and ask her story and how she has ended up where she is today. So I am so excited to be joined by her. Carly, welcome to the podcast. I'm so excited to have you here today. Thank you. I wish you did that every time I see someone. That would be amazing <laughs> if that was my intro all the time. That was fabulous. <laughs> Thanks, Dan. It's a pleasure. Thank you so much. I love your podcast. And it's so nice to have you here because I, like I said, I do feel like over the last sort of maybe even like 10 years, I want to say, I think you're an OG like me. And I genuinely, I remember following you from day one of me joining Instagram. So it's so nice to see how you've kind of flourished and grown as a content creator, as a mother, as a business owner. But I really want to know, just because I I am that original fangirl, how you started out. I mean, I know that you were obviously a personal trainer, but I actually read on your website that that wasn't your original career and you were kind of going down a different path before you really pivoted. So I'd love to hear about that kind of starting point and what led you to share your life online. Thanks, Libby. Yeah, I recently changed the website, so I feel like it gives a bit more information now. Um, yeah, so I am an OG like yourself and I'm really proud <laughs> to be actually because I feel like we had the best, I think we had the best time. Oh, it was um, so lovely. <laughs> When we used to post photos in front of doorways and archways and that kind of stuff. Yeah, those are the days. Um, no, so social media wise, I grew up, I was about 23 and I was working for BMW Mini, which was a great job. But you know when you can see, you can see where you're going to be. If you stay there, I could see my whole life ahead of me, which was not going to be bad, but it wasn't fulfilling me. And I never grew up knowing what I wanted to be. Like I was always jealous of people that they knew they wanted to be a doctor or a dancer or an air hostess or something. And I just never, I never had that. And I felt like my dad's an architect and my mom was a scientist so there was very much this thing of me of wanting to have like a role and I, I remember I literally used to write into Google what is the best job in the world what is the job that Carly should do and funnily enough it always said um, Richard Branson's PA which I think is really funny because how the world works I have actually worked with him since being online which is really funny not as his PA um, but it's, <laughs> it's just really funny how that was what it kept saying and I was like I don't think I want to be that and I literally, it sounds pathetic. I used to cry. I used to walk into the gym and see my best friend. I just used to be like, I'm not doing what I want to do. And I don't know how to study for it because I don't know what it is. I don't know how to do a course for it because I 
I don't know what I want to do. And you feel really trapped. So um, funnily enough, I decided to use YouTube a bit like X Factor. And I was filming videos on different topics to try and find out what I was passionate about. So I did videos on different styles of bikini waxes. No idea why. And I did videos on beauty, fashion stuff, travel content, and then what I was doing in the gym. Um, And it was actually the following that started to grow that made me realize that I really loved explaining workouts. Now, I was not good at sport to kids as a child, so I never, ever would have chosen being a personal trainer. But funnily enough, I felt so confident and happy in the gym. And I think that transpired. So it was actually my followers that said, you should really do the personal training course. Um, and that's kind of the beginning. I love that. And like, I say this in the nicest way possible, but you ha- you are like the ultimate shapeshifter in the sense that like you've worn so many different hats. I think it's a real, it's really indicative, sorry, of kind of modern careers now that when I look to kind of my parents' generation, I see a lot of people that went into one career and they basically just worked their way up, worked their way up, got to a good level and then kind of just stayed. And that has benefits and that suits a lot of people. And if that's what you know that you want to do, then brilliant. But what I love is that our generation, I just feel like we have more fluidity in our careers and in our choices and even in our like different seasons of our life, you know, enjoying maybe one career path and doing that from the ages of 20 to 30. But then at 30 thinking, hang on a second, I want more from life. I want to actually do something else. And I really look to people like you and see all these different kind of amazing like opportunities and roles that you've had and continue to kind of grow in. And it's so inspiring as someone who kind of says, I had no idea what I wanted to do. It's it's inspiring to see someone like you that's like, maybe you still don't have one thing but you've grown a lot of things that you enjoy and and that's really good to see and I think for a lot of people that's really inspiring because I know that I've had conversations with many people over the last few years who've been like I'm not happy in my job but I also don't know what is going to make me happy yeah and it's really daunting I actually see it with my daughter she's only four but people already say what do you want to be when you grow up and it's such a loaded question and it literally used to make me feel as a born people pleaser not knowing what I wanted to do felt like I wasn't able to please like my parents or the school or whatever by not having that answer. And nowadays, you know, with the scope of different things we can do and and we are not like one dimensional, we all have so many like luck, like things that we want to do and things that we enjoy and passions and you can kind of turn any of that into a career. So I'm super grateful for that. And it has kind of transpired that I end up sort of picking up different hats, different seasons, different times as we go through different phases of our life. Yeah, definitely. And your content, I guess, really now spans such a variety of topics. You've gone from obviously mainly predominantly fitness. You do now the travel stuff. You do your retreats. You have your app, the sexual wellness stuff and the kind of intimacy stuff that I absolutely love. And I find so interesting relationships, you know, whatever it is. What do you enjoy sharing the most? Is it a bit of all of those things? I sort of feel like you've gone into a a kind of new transition at the moment of, of talking about the kind of more relationships, sexual health, all that sort of stuff. And I wondered if that's something that you really find yourself enjoying sharing now. Yeah. So truthfully, fitness was the thing that started for me. And I love moving my body and it is my passion. I had, and I don't know if you've actually felt this way, because exercise was something that I I did for my mental health and to generally just feel really good about myself. And then it, it turned into a career, which was incredible. But actually, when I was a PT, I was probably my most inactive because I was prioritizing all of my clients. And, you know, you were doing like four till 10 p.m. And I I was actually squeezing in my workouts around everybody. And then when I started sharing my workouts online, it meant that that one hour that I had for my workout was now one hour, but I'm also filming it and I'm editing it. And I just had this moment of 
I need to move for me. And it became even more apparent when I had my daughter that actually I'm going to have to scale back sharing fitness because I'm actually not able to do it. <laughs> I'm almost doing it for the camera, but not actually able to do it for myself anymore. And it was having this real double-edged sword. So I think that was when I started exploring more areas I was comfortable with that didn't actually impact me personally, like take away from me. So for example, there is only one hour in the day where I get to move my body. It's become really vital to me. So I don't share my fitness so much because I need that for me. Selfishly, I will talk about fitness in other ways, but talking about relationships, sex and relationships, motherhood, honesty, that doesn't take anything away from my personal like self-discovery. It just adds and I feel like I can share that. So it's, I guess I've tuned my content more to create boundaries for myself which has been really important that is so interesting and I think that it's something that I absolutely need to take lessons in is that that sense of having boundaries and I think when you've done it for so long and and I I'm I'm similar to you in the sense that I've been doing it for such a long time that you know some of my community feel really like you know friends and it's very it's you know you feel so intimate with those people and you feel like you have such a connection with those that follow you that I can almost be like the overshare you know I share too much and I'm giving too much and then sort of really kind of feeling the sting of that sometimes when it comes back to bite you on the ups basically because you just assume that that relationship is a is a two-way one and I guess when people then don't respond to it or whatever you get criticism it's like oh gosh I thought you were my friend you know it feels so so hard because we are we yeah. are our, our brand is us and we share everything I mean I've, I feel yeah you are sharing other than possibly maybe the hardest moments because it feels harder to film those parts but for the most part we're sharing like 80% of our life and so you do have that connection with people and it can be really hard because I don't know if you feel like it but I've got people who follow me for fitness people who follow me like 20% for each so sometimes when you're posting you know you're going to upset like the other 80% because they want that part so it's it's super super hard but I think Definitely since becoming a mum or just trying to set more boundaries and, and also having therapy, I just realized that I do have to put myself first too. It's just as important if I'm going to continue and not burn out. Yeah, absolutely. And on the topic of the kind of sex and relationships, um, how do you find yourself navigating that online? Obviously, it's such a huge subject and some of the stuff that you discuss is, is you know, really intimate and quite I guess for for someone like me who's a bit more of not a prude but maybe hasn't spoken about that as openly it's really um taboo but also really um interesting to read about so whether it's masturbation or whether it's kind of um your own sexual wellness or kind of um discovering things about yourself that you might like or dislike I feel like you really go there with the subject and you're really open where did that come from within you have you always had like a natural inkling to want to talk about these things and then how do you find that also you know on the subject of boundaries sharing that with a massive audience of people who are going to have massively different opinions on the topic yeah so I didn't really get taught much I don't know about you but when I was at school there was Johnny Condom which was terrible that was like a video (laughs) we all got to watch that was useless (laughs) And, and I felt quite lost with the whole sex and relationship thing and I was quite a late bloomer and all of that Um, And it was actually YouTube where I realized that people were coming to me kind of at the time, like a sister. Now I think it's more like a mum because of the age gap. Uh, They were asking me questions and I didn't, it didn't make me feel uncomfortable. Like it felt, I guess, yeah, felt like I was talking to like a sister and it felt really comfortable to bring up those things. And I think because I was saying it in a non-vulgar way, just like a nice conversation that it made people feel at ease. And what was wonderful was the feedback I was getting. Like I did one on YouTube about libido. And also one about orgasms and the feedback I got from men was like, I had no idea. And I was like, okay, so that is so worth doing because 
if I can get the men to understand the women, we can kind of team up together. And then I found that while there was some people sharing it, a lot of people that were sharing it, it was maybe too, I don't think vulgar is the word, but it was uncomfortable to watch for a lot of people. Whereas for me, it was just more like an open conversation and coming from my, you know, from my sexual history, which is very, very vanilla probably compared to a lot of people's now with what's being shared. But I was just being honest. And I think the percentage of my audience just needed that honesty to know that they are not alone. And that's kind of been where I've stood online all the time, just sharing honesty. I guess boundary-wise, obviously my husband's online as well. So whenever I share something, I always talk to him about it first. Um, We've even done a couple of videos on it together. But I think it's just the tone. The tone is really important to me. I don't want it to come across like I'm making people think I'm better than them or I know more than them. I just want them to know that you're in it. We're all in it together and we're all learning and that we haven't been taught correctly. And sometimes that's the best way to receive that information. It's not in a kind of, I'm going to tell you every fact you need to know about sex and wellness. It's actually more kind of a conversational piece and it's, you know, sharing vulnerabilities. And I think in sharing those things and in being open, that is genuinely how we develop those connections. That's why you and I feel so connected to our audiences, I guess, in some ways is because we are comfortable with being vulnerable and being open. And that, that for me is, is, is a big part of building, you know, those relationships. So I think particularly on that subject, the fact that you're not coming to it as an expert, you're not saying, I know everything. You're just saying, this is my experience. And these are the things I've gone through. And, you know, maybe some of this is going to relate to you. And I think that's a really wonderful way to approach what can be a really taboo subject. One of the things that I've really loved seeing you do across your kind of, um, you know, your career has been, you know, becoming a mother and seeing that new shift into having a child and, and what that does for your life and how it has really enriched you. And now obviously you're due to become a mum for the second time, which is so exciting and obviously huge congratulations. How have you found navigating motherhood with navigating being one of those OGs online? You know, we've seen quite a lot of people from that first cohort, the uh, Zoellas and Tanya Burr and all those people kind of really shifting into this new phase of their life. How did you find that with your identity of being online and and really kind of pivoting to to a role of being a mum? And having a child, I guess. Terrifying. <laughs> um, no, no, no. I'm glad um, you've said that because I feel exactly yeah, no, the same is. about the whole yeah. thing. No, it is terrifying. It's the unknown, isn't it? Um, yeah. I mean, when I fell pregnant with Jack, there wasn't anybody I followed from my OG that had gone through childhood yet. And I found that really daunting because I was kind of looking. And I remember sharing my stuff online and getting quite a lot of trolling about exercising and putting abs before my baby and all this kind of stuff. And it was all such a big learning curve for me. And I think naively, I kind of presumed I could have a baby and things would just continue as they were. If I'm honest, I just thought it'd just be more of a juggle. You know, we just juggle. Every day I feel like with this role, I'm out of my comfort zone. I'm trying new things. It's all about juggling stuff. So I was like, okay, well, I can I can juggle having a baby in on this. And to begin with, having a baby was way easier than I thought. Yes, I was tired, but actually I had more time because they literally eat, sleep, poop, repeat. So I actually was like, oh, okay, there's, there's time. I could be doing stuff. Um, and it wasn't until Jax, my daughter, who's now four, was moving that I was like, oh, okay, this is like much different now. <laughs> I've got someone moving. And I suddenly realized how alone a lot of us being online can be. And actually, when you have a little one, you really do need a community. And we don't really have that. So that has probably been the le- biggest learning curve for me is learning that I need to ask for help. And learning to ask for help was so difficult. So many grateful for like nurseries and stuff. But yeah, I think that the hardest thing for me was navigating, trying to do a job that 
changes daily with different demands and be present with my daughter. And selfishly, I thought I could do both 100% and you can't do both 100%. So it was really the biggest thing for me was learning I needed to ask for help and put tools in place to help me so that I could have, you know, a couple of hours to do something. And really, I'm just grateful to my husband. Him being online too was very helpful uh, because he knew the, the stresses I was under and we were both able to juggle between us because it really is me me and him parenting. Um, without him, I would have really, really struggled. We'll be back after this. Welcome back to Give Me Strength. I just wanted to tap into one of the things you mentioned there about kind of being an online creator and feeling that deep sense of loneliness. I think it's a really interesting thing that as we become more connected than ever, you know, through technology, I think so many of us, and I know that I can absolutely relate to this on a personal level, you know, I spent so much time investing in building this community, but at the same time, at one point felt the loneliest I've ever felt in my life. You know, I wasn't investing in real life friendships because to me, I was just all about this kind of online world. And you forget that community is everything and that that social aspect of our lives is such a pivotal pillar of our well-being. And I think particularly as a lot of us transition into thinking about or having children and, and, and kind of moving into a different phase, whatever it is, I think that really um, it's been an eye-opener for me of how the online world can never replace that kind of real-life community. And I, I love that you kind of shared that because I think it's really comforting to hear that other people have the same for you to say like I didn't really have a community it's like I think a lot of us just expect that you know you have a child and people just swarm around you and like offer you a new help or whatever no um, I so totally found the opposite I definitely yeah. I, I, people are incredible but I don't know you never really know until you go through it and you might be completely different but I definitely when I was pregnant I felt glorious oh my gosh I felt so gorgeous so loved so supported every day it's like oh you look amazing and you're glowing and how are you doing and then I had my baby shower, which is lovely. I was surrounded by loads of people. And then I had my daughter. And for the first week, oh my gosh, yes, loads of people. And then after that first week, you're on your own. And I was like, oh, okay, wow. And all of a sudden it was, instead of like, you're glowing and you look amazing, it was, you look really tired. How's the baby? And I was like, oh my gosh, I don't exist anymore. Where have I gone? And I felt like invisible. Like I was just pushing this baby that everyone was seeing, but people didn't have time. Um was a really hard phase to go through, but I don't think I helped myself because I wasn't going, hey, hey, help, I need some, like, I, I would like some love, and does anyone want to come? Just like we always do, I was making it look like I was handling it because that's what we do, but actually people needed it. And it's been really funny online with this pregnancy, actually, just to divert briefly, but with my first pregnancy, I felt incredible, and so my content was really like, I am loving pregnancy. This time has been much harder, but oh my gosh, are people loving not loving that it's harder, but people are more invested in this pregnancy because I guess I'm finding it harder. It's more relatable. People are enjoying seeing it more because it feels more like reality that I felt I've had more support with this pregnancy than with the other one, which is the one that I enjoyed the most. Isn't that funny though, that I think that um, we love a struggle. We love to see a struggle online. Like we love to see people that are doing great, but we also, we love to see people that are, I guess, going through it. And, and and I'm, you know, I, I can't say that I'm immune to that. I definitely know what that feels like when you see someone that's like, you know, I guess if I, if I relate it to, for example, if I see someone that's 
struggling with their body image I'm like oh you know I I can relate to that I really feel that but at the same time it's so hard as a content creator to be like I'm feeling like shit but oh I god I've got to share this because I need people to be able to relate to me like it's it's such a weird cycle and I think that um it's really nice that you that you feel comfortable to share that but it's also so interesting that maybe you didn't receive the same positivity to just having a really wonderful lovely pregnancy no, and I think that no I was disliked for it I was definitely disliked for it. in fact people have messaged me being like oh, I, like I really struggled to watch you last time because I yeah. was hating pregnancy and you were loving it and I also, I'm like, I'm really sorry. I had no idea that was the only one I'd had. And I was like, this feels great. Um, so seeing it from the other side is really different. But yeah, it's so interesting um, because I like yourself. We all have down days, but I try and be quite positive online. Um, and so there's nothing worse than being like, okay, well, actually, I think they'd really like seeing me crying. I think that's why I should film myself crying and post it because people love that. But that in itself feels very odd and almost disingenuous filming yourself crying but massively so and look uh, uh, this is something that I've spoken to my therapist about at length is like this kind of performative vulnerability or trying to play into this sense of being vulnerable or emotional whatever it is in order to kind of um, get people to relate to you and to have that connection and I think that um, the best thing that I have really tried to do is to lean into what genuinely feels natural to share rather than trying to prove that I'm one thing or another I really have to be quite blinkered in the sense that like if something feels comfortable for me to share, maybe it's a feeling or an emotion or whatever it is, then do it. But don't go out of your way to perform into that kind of narrative because actually it becomes a really vicious cycle of then only being known for being vulnerable and, 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 and kind of that dopamine hit that you get when people go, oh no, but you're amazing, you're amazing, you know, whatever it is. It, it's really hard. It is really hard. It's so nice hearing someone that's going through similar things. I find it really interesting in terms of an identity as a woman as a mother as a content creator as all of those hats that you wear where you saw your identity suddenly falling in terms of now you have a child and like you said people were coming up to you going oh my gosh the baby baby how did you refine your identity both in kind of like work in life in relationships yeah so I feel like online you almost re-identify yourself quite a few times and also as we go through phases I would probably say after having Jax it took me at least a year to find who I was because I was really trying to figure it out not only was I trying to figure out becoming a parent um, but also trying to figure out what kind of things I want to do with my body because it felt different and I everyone was like oh she snapped back but I'd snap back to a body. It certainly wasn't a body I knew, but it was a body that people deemed snap back. And I was trying to figure out, okay, what time do I have and how much of my life do I want to share? I'd actually say having a daughter has definitely changed how I share myself online because she very quickly did not want to be online, which I was, it was funny because YouTube was a really big channel for me. But then when my daughter was like, I don't want to go online, let's ask her. Um, and it would only be, I'd never like be like just filming her, but you suddenly realize this little person doesn't want to be online wow, okay, I vlog. There's not much I can share when I have a child that's touched to my hips that doesn't want to be shared. So we're going to pivot away from this. This is just actually not a space that I can be on in this format right now. And so I just started thinking about things I could share about my life that wouldn't necessarily need too much of my family in it or could be more, I guess, aesthetics you'd be seeing from the side, but I can write captions and kind of do more things over it. So it's pivoting to just hold more privacy, I guess. I'm still definitely learning myself and knowing that I'm going to do this again with a little boy is really exciting. And I'm aware that that's going to be very different too. And we're moving to the other side of the world and all sorts of things going on. So I feel like my identity is going to take a whole nother big shift. But I guess all I can say that has worked for me 
is just being open to seeing where it goes. There's too many anomalies. I can't say that word. Anomalies. I can't get like I'm going to be this person. <laughs> that's it. Thanks, darling. Um, I'm just going to go with the flow. And if it feels okay, then that's who I'm going to be. And when it doesn't feel okay, then I will change. Yeah, I really love that. Now, look, tell me about this move to the other side of the world because it feels like such a big shift and it feels such a scary jump. But I think that it's something that you've definitely, from what I've seen online, you haven't taken this decision lightly. You know, you've really explored and experimented. And I think I had a conversation on another guest previously. That, um, actually, it was Kat Meffin. I was saying about this kind of like moving away from the big city life or, or, or even just like, you know, what we've grown to think is our kind of our our forever life you know my my vision maybe 10 years ago was that I was going to live in London for a little bit and then move a little bit further out and have a house and have a family and yada yada but I think that everyone's perceptions or or kind of ideas of how that looks now have really shifted because there are people like yourself and like others who are maybe just doing things a bit differently so I'd love to hear about what made you really have the courage to take a new baby and a little <laughs> child to the other side of the yeah, world. I mean, <laughs> yeah, don't do things by halves. Um, I have always wanted to try living somewhere else for as long as I can remember. I've grown up in marriage. I've been so fortunate that I have traveled a lot of the world. So it's not that I haven't seen the world. It's that I want to experience living somewhere else for a while. I always think about my eight-year-old self and my 80-year-old self and what I feel like they would have wanted for me. And I always feel like if I make it to 80, I think I'm going to really regret it if I just haven't tried. So we've spent a lot of time. It's been difficult because my husband, he has a business partner. So them kind of separating is very difficult. So that's been like a long thing. And definitely, obviously, the pandemic set things back. We would have done it before that. But there's no such thing as perfect timing. So we kind of explored in our van lots of different countries. And we didn't think that Costa Rica was going to be the one because it's so far. But when we were there, we just, you know, when you go somewhere and you really enjoy a version of yourself. Well, I enjoyed the version of myself, but also the version of my family and the version of my daughter. And also I could see a different version and I could see kind of future. And so that's really exciting. So we were like, well, let's try, right? Because life's really short. Nothing's permanent. We can always come back. So <laughs> yes. So the plan is baby is due November. Hopefully it's a healthy baby and everything goes well. And then as soon as we can travel, we will be heading over there. Ideally end of December, possibly January, depending on birth certificates and passports and stuff. But yeah, I wouldn't have imagined me traveling the world with a newborn, a toddler and a dog. I think it will be a very stressful flight, but I don't have to see those people again. And I'm ready for a new challenge. It's such a new chapter. And yeah. I want to ask about how you're going to navigate establishing yourself again in a whole new place. Like, what, obviously, you've done it a number of times in terms of, I guess, not being places for prolonged periods, but you know, you were in Portugal for a bit and you've been other places on that subject of community and of, of needing a village, I guess, around you in the metaphorical sense and maybe the literal sense. Um, how do you go, how do you think you'll go about um, establishing that, that new environment? Yeah, so it's something I think about a lot. I think. One thing that I've noticed is because myself and Leon are such a good team and I'm really grateful for that and we've managed to raise our daughter together, I know that we can raise another together as a family unit and we will survive together. But I would love to incorporate that community and I know that when I was in Costa Rica, one of the things I really did love is just that embracement of community and kind of, I've loved writing books and I would love to use this kind of the next year ahead to write more kids books and maybe work with people locally in Costa Rica with children. I could just see this whole vision of me having like a bookshop and writing books and 
holding like a kid's like little cinema with a just a duvet up and they're watching movies while the parents are having coffee from Leon who loves making coffee. So we've got like a whole different section. But alongside that, obviously, social media bit plays a big part, which is why I created my app because then I can have that separate with the retreat. So ideally, brand jobs is great. But ideally, I'm thinking my app, the retreats, and then more personal connection stuff within the local community. Yeah, amazing. Bit more of a personal question. And I hope this is okay to answer this. But how have you found your relationship to money and financial success um, in the sense that, you know, on the one hand, I can so see it being this amazing opportunity, but also maybe saying goodbye to, like you said, the, the brand partnerships and then maybe the stability that being in the UK and having like a set base really offers you. Have you changed your mind on, you know, what success looks like to you and financial success and stability and all those things? Definitely. It's actually been a conversation I had quite recently because for a long time, I told myself I didn't want money. I don't know why. I mean, I was earning, I was earning really well, but I, if people told me what my drive was, it was never money. It was I know, to have really fun opportunities and to work with cool brands. The money thing, it was never, it was never my key drive. But I think what I did was I told myself that because as a female, I don't think I thought it was suitable for me to be saying, I want money. I think I thought, no, that doesn't sound right. This doesn't sound very feminine to say, I want money. But then I realized primarily through pretty much giving so much of it away because money made me so uncomfortable. I kept like giving and helping others. And well, and suddenly I was like, oh, my bank balance is looking pretty low because I've found money uncomfortable. Now I've done the ultimate and I've given lots of it away to help others. Now I've realized that if I don't have money, I don't have this life that I'm living. So actually, I need money. And it was really weird for me to go, it's okay to want money. It's okay to want to earn any well. It's okay to decide I want this much in my bank. So yes, the idea of being the other side of the world and not having that regular stream of income and the incredible opportunities that we have is daunting. But there is a part of me that knows I have that character that wherever I'm at, I will always find money because I will go work in the lowest thing, whatever I need to get money to give me this life. And I will work my ass the ground to make things work because I do. But yeah, it has been really interesting going from thinking I don't want money to realizing I do want money. And so this year has really been kind of plotting ways to make sure we have enough to to get us through a whole year, definitely, and then beyond. Yeah, absolutely. I'd love to hear about your app. Obviously, I'm so excited <laughs> for you. You launched it not that long ago. So it's really, um, it's nice to see it develop and grow. And and like I said, see you kind of flourish into this business owner. What can people expect from movement? And and how is it different, I guess, to, to other fitness apps out there? Firstly, how hard is an app? Oh, oh my gosh. I know. Tell me about it. <laughs> I think people think, well, maybe they are. I think people think the apps are like, you know, just the easy next step and so amazing and can make so much money. And I've found an app to be, wow, a whole nother job and definitely something you really have yeah. to invest in. Yeah. And definitely. <laughs> I just think that has to be out there because I know so many people go, why do you make an app? And I'm like, I did make an app and it cost me so much money. But um, yeah, no. So I've made an app called Moodment, which is based on movement and your mood. Um, and effectively it came out kind of during the pandemic because I was, I think you were as well, hosting lots of classes and doing lots of online stuff and realizing that I and pretty much everyone else was never listening to how we truly felt. Like, you know, I'd go and do a hit workout and I'm exhausted on the floor before I even go or I'm feeling really hormonal and I'm forcing myself to go do a run that doesn't feel right. And I suddenly was thinking, okay, we need to maybe think about what would go well to suit 
our mood. So the app basically has 25 moods um, and you go in and you pick the mood that you are and then you discover why you're that mood. And then it creates eight pieces of content from meditations and hypnosis, blog posts, journaling, workouts, yoga, um, EFT tapping, um, all sorts of things and different blog posts and stuff to help you maintain or lean into or step away from that mood. Um, so there's a whole section on like libido, which I know people are really struggling with. So in there, you've got like challenges and stuff to help boost it, playlists, even like sexy workouts to make you feel more like inhibited. Um, and we do a challenge every month together, which is lovely, but it's really just a space to feel okay with maybe doing what actually feels right instead of trying to do something else. I absolutely love that. And I love the idea of connecting it to mood because I think that there's so much to be said for shifting the focus away from exercises solely there to make me feel good and to make me, you know, either tone up. I hate that word, but you know what I mean? When I have people that come to me, they say, I want something that, that helps me tone up, keep in shape, whatever it is. It's so connected to the aesthetic, basically. And it's lovely to shift that focus away. And I think one of the best ways that we can have a long-term and sustainable relationship with exercise is to really tap into what it does for our mood and for our mind. And I think that, you know, it sounds so wonderful what you're doing because I think it really helps to foster that relationship. Thank you. And I also think for a lot of us, like I can say exercise boosts my mood, but that's because I've gone through the journey to get to the point where exercise boosts my mood. But someone who's just starting, exercise is not boosting their mood. In fact, it might be making them feel the opposite to begin with, or they might not even know what a boosted mood feels like. So it's kind of reaching out to people to be like, okay, I'm going to try something. Or for example, you can use it the other way and be like, I, I feel like I want to feel more sensual. So you click on sensual to discover ways to feel that way. So I think a lot of us never ask ourselves how we are. Like, you know, we go see you in the street. How are you? I'm good. Keep going. But actually, if you ask them like two, three, four times, they might actually say, um, actually. So that's kind of what I want people to do. Yeah, absolutely. I love that. Carly, thank you so much for your time today. It's been such a joy to hear about what you're up to. And also just to have a little bit of a chat. I know that, you know, you and I have followed each other for such a long time, but it's lovely to sometimes dig into, you know, someone's journey and what's inspired them and what's brought them to where they are. So I really, really have enjoyed our chat and I Hope you have a wonderful pregnancy. I'm so enjoying following Thank it. Thank you. And, Coming um, up to Costa Rica? I know. I look forward to seeing the move <laughs> as well. Come over for a retreat. <laughs> <laughs> I'd love to. We'll put all the links to anything that Carly's up to at the moment in the show notes. And please do go and check her out on Instagram. She's a wonderful person to follow. Thank you. Thank you. you so much for listening i really hope you enjoyed that episode i would love it if you could take some time to rate review and follow the podcast as it really helps others to find it we have a new episode dropping each week so this will also ensure you don't miss out see you next time insanity group